listening to the Seven Rivers Student Ministry Podcast, a ministry of Seven Rivers Church in Citrus County, Florida. Here at SRSM, we believe that all students are lovable through a relationship with Jesus. Visit our website at sevenrivers.org backslash students. This is God's wrath and God's judgment for sin. This is the gravity of your sin. This is what happens when we encounter a holy God and we have a relationship with him and we sin against him. There is wrath. There's a Netflix documentary called Dahmer, right? Have you guys seen it? Uh, I've seen it. It's, it's really, really dark, actually. It's, it, it's really tough. But it follows the story of a serial killer. And I don't know if you guys know the history but he kills 17 innocent people. 17 people that had done nothing to Jeffrey Dahmer, but simply because he felt something inside of him compel him to approach them and then to kill them. Not only just to kill them, but he would often lobotomize them, which would involve, he would drug them and he would would screw into their brain and, and they would become like zombies. And then he would kill them and then he would eat them. And then he would keep their bones and make relics and make altars. This is Jeffrey Dahmer. He was in, in, the, in the 90s, uh, he was caught. And he went before a judge and he was sentenced to 17, you know, life sentences for his crimes and for what he had done. And while he was in prison, a man came in prison who was in prison as well and killed him for what he had done. In the movie, this man who kills him, and I don't actually know, I haven't confirmed if this is actually true or if this is just Netflix, but he says to him right before he kills him, I am the wrath and vengeance of God. And as you watch, there's a piece of you that's like, Yes, let's go. I want to tell you guys another story. It's actually about, I'm sorry, Zach, if I didn't, I didn't get your approval for this, but it's about Zach's, um, I think, great-grandfather, Nate Saint, and uh, Jim Elliott. They're serving as missionaries to the Wadani, Wadani, and, and they're flying over and they're, and they're trying to minister to this tribe. And Nate's, uh, Zach's great-grandfather is the pilot. Have you guys heard this story? And they fly into this Wadani tribe and they try to uh, evangelize. And, and this tribe meets them with spears and spears them, kills them. Kills them. 
What does Jeffrey Dahmer deserve? What do the Wadani tribe deserve? What does Israel deserve? And what do you deserve as a sinner? Moses, when he came down the mountain and he saw that the Israelites had what they had done, he took the tablets that God had just written on with his very own finger and he shattered them on the ground. They had already broken the very law within the very first few days of God trying to come down and be in their presence. This was the way that God was going to be able to live amongst them and be their king and to lead them and to fulfill his promises to them. So then what happens? What do they deserve? Wrath. And it's poured out upon them for their sin. Wrath is what happens when a holy God and a sinful people interact. God is holy. You are a sinner. Your sin always warrants punishment. But wherever there is God, there is also something more than just wrath and holiness. There's something that is always present through the holiness and through the wrath of God. Just as much as there's holiness, just as much as there's wrath, there's something else that beats through that. We went to Genesis 6 the other night, and you can turn there with me too, to Genesis 6. We're going to be in verses 11 through 13. And, and I talked about right before that, how God in Genesis 6, he regretted making man because of the horror of their sin. And so what does God do to judge man? He's, he, he regrets even making man. And so he pours out his wrath in the form of a flood. And this is what he says in verses 11 through 13. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on, on the earth. And God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I'll destroy them with the earth. And then the following verses after this, if you, you can even continue reading for yourself, God pours out a flood upon the earth and the world drowns. Except for one family. One family God chooses to cover in protection of a boat. God is not done with man in creation. He rescues Noah and his family and two of every animal. God rescues them in a giant boat and it's called an ark. In Genesis 3, you guys can turn there. I'm not going to really quote too much from there, but I am going to talk about verse 21. In Genesis 3, God is pouring out his curse upon Adam and Eve. And the curse for the serpent is his head will be crushed for Eve. She'll have pain in childbearing for Adam that he'll have pain in work and that they'll both return to the dust. But he does something for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are ashamed of their sin. They are covering their nakedness with fig leaves. And God has just judged them. His wrath has been poured out with him. But what is also present in the midst of the wrath of God? Right after his judgment, look at verse 21. What does he do? God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. How do you make a garment of skin? There has to be a sacrifice of an animal. God took an animal that was innocent killed it, skinned it, and used it as clothes to cover 
his children in their shame and their sin and in their nakedness. What kind of act is this? When I was in college, and I'm just going to share honestly with you guys, I went to a conference and I, it was in Atlanta, Georgia. And I remember the preacher, he gave us note cards and he said, I want you, and I don't know if you guys have ever done this. This is absolutely terrifying. He gave me note card, a note card and he told everybody in the crowd, I want you to write down every single sin you've done, every kind of thing you can think of. So I did. And I had this note card and I felt like I needed many more note cards, but I was kind of summing them up and I hated looking at the note card because on that note card were sins and things I had written that I promised to take to my grave. And then he challenged us in the room to confess those sins. He said, will you confess those sins to God? When we, and then he, then he said, not only will you do that with God, but would you do it with people that you trust? Would you do that with your Christian community? Maybe your pastor, uh, maybe one of your best friends, someone who has earned the right to hear your story. I was like, man, I don't know if I can do that. But when I went home, I, I had my note card with me still. I remember feeling the Holy Spirit just convicting me and saying, why, why not? You have, you have four roommates, five roommates that you love and adore. They love and adore you, but they don't know everything about you. They believe in the gospel, they believe in grace. Why not see what can happen? So I, I took that note card and I gathered those guys around in the living room and I read every single thing that I'd written down on it. And when I'd finished sharing, I felt naked and ashamed for what I had said. I mean, I said some gross, disgusting things. The room was silent. My heart was beating out of my chest and I thought they were going to throw up. Some of them literally had the expression of, of deep pain. And I thought they would say, you know what? We, we don't want to live with you in our apartment anymore. I thought I had lost my friends. But what happened next really was life-changing for me. My best friend reshot his arm and placed it on me. And he said, I love you. He wet with me and hugged me. You don't believe me? He goes to our church. All right, his name's Yates Boykin. Okay. This man, he touched my back, touched my shoulders, and said, I love you still. And then he hugged me and wept with me and prayed for me. Right after Israel had sinned, Against God. God pours out wrath, but he also pours out love. He calls Moses to come back up the mountain. Moses has just come down for 40 days and 40 nights. He says, Moses, come back up. And so Moses goes back up for another 40 days and another 40 nights. And he reestablishes everything that they'd just gone over. Go to Exodus 34 in your Bibles, verses 5 through 9. This is, this is important. So the Lord descends in the cloud again and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of God. And God passed before Moses and proclaimed. And this is, this is, the, one, the, only this is the only time that God says exactly who he is. Who, what, how does God describe himself? He says, I'm the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but also 
and the God who by no means will clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and children's children to the third and the fourth generation. I'm a God that's gracious, and I'm a God also of justice. And Moses bowed his head toward the earth in worship. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the God go in the midst of us. Please come down and dwell with us and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. How can a holy God dwell with an unholy people? How can you have a relationship with God in your sin? How can he forgive sins? How can he be both just, holy, and also gracious and loving? It requires bloodshed. It requires death. Moses is right in chapter 32 when he approaches the Lord and says, don't blot out those people from the book. Blot out me. Shed my blood. Take my life, not theirs. He is right to know that the requirement for forgiveness of sins is bloodshedding. Who is going to bleed for you? Who is going to bleed for Israel? In God's law, he lays out this day of atonement. This is what he talks to Moses about on that mountain. He says, here's the day of atonement. And he says, you're going to take two goats. The priest is going to take two goats. One goat, he's going to slaughter. And he's going to pour out his blood. And that blood, he's going to sprinkle on the people. And that blood is going to cleanse the people of their sins. But we still need to get rid of the sins. So the other goat, he's going to grab the goat by the head. And he's going to say the sins of the entire people and confess them upon the head of the goat. And he's going to throw the goat out of the camp and into the wilderness. And that will be like your sins going out into the wilderness. In Exodus 12, um, you have the Passover, right? In order for the angel of death to pass over the families of Israel, what has to be done? The shedding of blood of a lamb to cover their doors, to save their lives. In order for Adam and Eve to be covered in their nakedness and shame, an animal has to die and clothes made. Blood has to be poured out. Blood has to be shed. In order for mankind to be rescued from the wrath of the flood, an ark must be built to protect them from God's wrath, to shelter them. And if you would turn to Matthew 26, this is the last passage I want us to look at. Please turn there. This is, if you read anything, you gotta read this. Jesus is with his disciples hours before He's about to be taken into custody, to be put on trial and then crucified, okay? The night before this is the annual celebration of the exodus out of Egypt. It's it's the annual celebration of the Passover meal that we've been talking about. So they gather to eat unleavened bread and they gather to eat the Passover lamb in remembrance of what God did all those years ago. But there's something different about this meal. Let's look at verses 26 through 29 that Jesus does. He says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed this bread and he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of my covenant, 
which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink of it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Did you notice the difference between this Passover meal and the Passover meal that's in, described in Exodus? The meal with Jesus is only wine and unleavened bread, okay? Where is the lamb? There was no lamb to eat. What is Jesus saying? What is he saying to you? He's saying that I am the lamb. I am the lamb whose blood will be poured out on your behalf so that your name can be in the book of life. Jesus is the one who's blotted out and who dies and takes on God's wrath so that Moses doesn't have to for Israel. Jesus is the goat who's killed and also the goat who takes all our sins and is sent out into the wilderness. Jesus is the clothes that cover Adam and Eve. Jesus is the ark protecting Noah from the wrath of God. Jesus is the hand of my best friend upon my shoulder saying, I love you. When I confessed my sin and I felt his embrace, he ministered to me the holy, wrathful love of God. And do you know what a better way of saying that? Grace. Grace involves holiness, it involves wrath, and it involves love. Don't miss it. It is so much more powerful than just, I love you. It involves bloodshed. It involves life. You have been paid for with a high price. The most expensive price that anyone could pay for anybody. If you don't understand the holiness of God and the wrath of God, then the love of God is weak and cheap and easy to spit on and easy to reject. But when you understand the holiness and wrath of God, you cannot resist it when he says, I love you. You want to be with him and you want to be near him. Do you know what happened to Jeffrey Dahmer? Yeah, he died. But he was baptized. Do you know where Jeffrey Dahmer is this very moment? He's with Jesus. Do you know the man who killed Steve Saint? Your great granddad. He was there with the spear. His name was Minke. You know, he's been to Seven Rivers Church. He was converted. And he was like a great grandfather to your family and, and, and a patriarch. You know where he is today? with Jesus. Do you know why I get to be with Jesus? Do you know why that's my destiny as a sinner? Do you know why I get the opportunity to be loved and touched and held? I'm so awful and I'm so gross, but he dies on the cross for me. He says, Mikey, it's okay. I have you. The 
This is what I want you to know. I want you to know his love. I want you to know. I want you to know that it costs him. It's what he gives to you freely forever. It's amazing. It truly is. Let's pray. God.